Welcome everyone to the CEO.Digital show. My name is Craig McCartney, and I'll be your host that's going to guide you through an open exploration of technologies and trends straight from the C-suite. You'll hear insights will help you better deliver results for your company and its stakeholders. We'll be interviewing a range of C-suite executives, those that are creating technology to those that are implementing it to support their businesses. Find out more and stay up to date at ceo.digital. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to this very interesting panel. I have got four technology leaders with me, and we are here to discuss the theme of hybrid maturity. So we've come through the pandemic. We are, we've learned some valuable lessons all about remote working and the hybrid world is here to stay, right? So we need to uncover how can organizations get on the right path or the right road to achieving hybrid maturity? And what does hybrid maturity look like to organizations? What does it look like to you? Please do um, send, in, send in your own opinions, but I've interviewed four leaders, and I'll introduce them in a second. But here we're going to be discussing um, these very important subjects, and hopefully it gives you some insights for you and your own organization, and hopefully um, it sheds some light on some of the things that you've been thinking about. So without any further delay, ladies and gentlemen, I'll introduce you to our wonderful panel. Uh, first up, I've got Chris Voce, the Customer Engagement Strategist at Citrix. Kurt Freire joins him as the, the Deputy Director of IT um, and CTO for Norfolk City Council. I've got Seshu Venkata, the General Manager and Global Head of Wipro. Then finally, I also have Mikhail Mizorowski, the Head of Global IT Security for DB Schenker. So this panel takes us from the US to India to Poland and also here to the UK. So it is a truly global panel. I'm very excited to speak to these individuals. Welcome everyone to the CEO.Digital show. So before we get into the topic of hybrid maturity and what organizations need to do to reach that very important stage, let's talk about the reason why we're having this conversation. The start of uh, the pandemic, COVID-19, the disruption we saw, how it impacted businesses, you know, from a, the user perspective, from a, a technology perspective. And let's just hear a little bit, um, just from a couple of you to start off with, maybe Kurt and Chris, you guys can lead this one. But talk about that disruption. How did it compare to previous disruption? And, you know, how did it impact your, your workforce, your company? And then, you know, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what you learned and then how you look to solve some of those challenges. Yeah, I love both of these subjects, to be honest. The main thing for me is things have significantly changed. Where we've seen, like, we've had projects and programs where they've had, like, a timeline of, say, 12 months or more. But over the last few years, what with the pandemic and, and other things happening, we've seen those significantly accelerated. So... If we look at uh, one particular one where we wanted to get onto this type of technology, where we've got uh, video calling and things like that, what our original project was going to be 12 months, and we ended up delivering it in six weeks. And actually, 
and we're no worse off. In fact, we're a lot better off. So we've proven to ourselves that things can change. You can disrupt things and you can do things differently. And that's had an impact on the way we think as an organisation and it has an impact on, on what we've got planned for our strategy and our roadmaps for the future. It has certainly changed our risk appetite and it's also changed the way we engage with suppliers as well, which is quite important because actually they're on the same journey as us. Yeah, I was going to say, Chris, um, you come to the, the conversation with a slightly different hat being from a, a sort of tech vendor. You know, what have, how have you seen the last three years um, from a Citrix perspective? Yeah, certainly. So, you know, I think even just describing it, turbulent, exciting, you know, and even prior to this, you know, in my prior role, I worked for Forrester uh, Research, so engaged with leaders like, you know, Kurt and other customers for years on uh, employee experience, employee technology. And, you know, you know, I think, you know, just as Kurt was saying, you know, this was a period of rapid transformation. You know, some of the things that we've been talking about for years, all of a sudden, you know, no longer were options. They were must-haves. You had to do it. You know, we had to enable fl more flexible hybrid work for people. It wasn't even hybrid. I mean, they just fully remote. You know, I think the best way to describe it, and we've seen a couple of, um, I say things, you know, happen in phases, you know, just as, you know, as I'm sure Kurt experienced and he described, you know, there was this rapid, you know, oh my goodness, we have to send everybody home, but work still needs to happen. You know, we need to support people emotionally, making sure that, you know, they stay connected. So we've been having to reshape, you know, there's this rapid period of, you know, caring for people as individuals, you know, developing greater empathy, but also having empathy for how they get work done. So quickly getting them some Band-Aid solutions, get people back to work and productive, you know, and then, you know, we moved into a period where we had to shore things up. You know, maybe, you know, things weren't as secure as we might like, they weren't as stable, but, you know, we were rapidly trying to get things done. And, you know, people like Kurt, you know, were the heroes in their organization. You know, it was really exciting to work with them. And now where we've been, I'd say, in the last year is more transitioning to a period where, you know, people are thinking more long term okay, how do I become more flex? You know, what does flexibility mean? You know, what does hybrid re work really mean, you know, in my organization? You know, offering employees more choice and, you know, rethinking culture, physical space, technology. You know, I don't think there's been an exciting, you know, few years, you know, and it's, it's hard to use a word like exciting because there's a lot of different emotions and experiences people have had, but certainly lots happened. Yeah, and there's, um, you know, now that the dust has settled, <laughs> What's next for hybrid work and, and how much does culture play into that, Chris? It's a good, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm really glad you started with culture because I think that's been the hardest thing to tackle, you know, because again, I think what happened, you know, just as human beings, you know, they're, you know, we naturally are driven, you know, we like accomplishment, we like getting things done, you know, there's a great body of science and work, you know, that prove that as human beings, what motivates us is actually making accomplishment, even more so than a lot of the extrinsic things that we talk about, like, you know, pay, perks and bonuses, we like to get things done. An important part of that, you know, follow, say, like Mihaly Sesemi's work around flow and human productivity engagement. One of those key ingredients in his work was popularized by Daniel Pink in the book Drive. One of those key ingredients was autonomy. And so having more choice in how things get done, where I work, that has, you know, I think it's been an eye opener for a lot of individuals. You know, a lot of us haven't had a lot of autonomy, you know forced, you know, to be in an office, you know, even if that may or may not be the right, the most productive place for me to be. And now that we've had a 
you know, a taste of autonomy. You know, I think a lot of the companies have been to adapt their culture to allow for greater autonomy. That's why hybrid work has become so you know prevalent for all of us today. We've had a taste of it and people don't want to give that back. And what about you, Kurt? Is that something that you agree with? I do, but there's one big word, that one small word, which jumps out at me in a big way around this, and it's trust. We've got um, thousands of people working at home in just our organisation, and many other organisations, including Chris's, are doing the same. And in the past, I think if you weren't seen in the office doing the work, you weren't working, apparently. But the reality is things have changed in the way we work with our staff and, and our staff work with us in terms of the flexibility that they enjoy now uh, works both ways, doesn't it? So I feel like people are giving more and they don't have to. You know, They're working from home. They're giving more. They're giving up their own space. They're giving a lot of the time. But there again, they don't have to commute. So there is a balance. But what we're seeing is people have been trusted more and been measured and they're discussing outcomes rather than actually are you in the office, which is a really healthy way to be. So I think the world has progressed and matured in that sense. But Chris, also, you you mentioned about looking after people. And that's an important point of this, because it's not all about technology and, and what we do. It's about making sure we are looking after people so they can deliver, but also they can do more, of course. Also, we want these people to carry on working for us and, and to progress. And that comes from little things like making sure their working environment is suitable, you know, in terms of the hybrid tech, in terms of space, in terms of they got a proper chair, a desk, all of those sort of things. And many organisations like ours considered that work environment. What could we do for our employees? So we took an initiative to allow people to dip into a fund of up to £250 each. It's probably about $300 (laughs) each to ask for stuff to make their home environment better and their work environment. And people just dipped into it, got an odd chair, got an odd desk, got a new monitor or whatever. And I think that brought a load of uh, trust that way back to us in terms of people being able to work from home looked after. The other thing we're, we're now concerned about is making sure that we're looking after people mentally as well. Because some people thrive on working from home. I think I do. And I suspect from the way Chris is talking positively, he probably does. But there are some people whose home environments aren't suitable or they don't like that. So, you know, we need to allow that flexibility. But yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Thank you, Kurt. Yeah, very interesting. Um, I'd like to now pass the same question over to Seshu and Mikkel. I think you know, we look at, uh, you know, from a culture, right, from, from a three different aspects. One, the trust. The, number two, the collaboration. Third, the empathy. Because now employees are working from home, from remote location. And uh, many a times, you know, we have not seen the employees working for specific projects. Just take the case of Wipro. So before the pandemic, like probably we're about, you know, 160, 170,000 employees. Now, post-pandemic, like we are 260,000 plus employees. So like more than 100,000 plus employees joined the company during this period. And most of them, we have not met each other. We have not seen them. Right? So so having a trust you know, in the team members is extremely critical. And the second aspect is collaboration, you know, collaborating with the people from different geographies, you know, with the different levels of experience, you know, with the different skill set that they bring to the table, right? So we need to create an environment where they can seamlessly collaborate, learn from each other to deliver the common objective of our customer success. And the third you know, important aspect is having empathy. 
because you know the people are you know still going through you know quite a few challenges whether it is in terms of the health issues you know travel restrictions uh you know quite a good number of other challenges that we see around the place right because of the pandemic and then the subsequent challenges so we need to understand you know uh, if somebody is not able to you know deliver something as expected you know it's we need to look at you know is it uh, a pure uh, a skill aspect or a technology aspect or are there any personal things that are actually you know impacting them so we need to have an understanding of you know those things so that if we help them to address those challenges you know so that you know they can come out of those challenges quickly and then uh, come back to the normal work and then you know contribute to the success of our customers and the organizations so uh, in my opinion culture is very important also it's not the only one element that is uh, it's the mixture between the culture the strategy concerning the technology development just to have a proper tools in place and people aware and at least being trained a little bit in the ways they can remote let's say they can work remotely in terms of the shanker what really went well was the policy that from time to time our employees are able to work from home, even though, let's say, they were historically based fully in the office, which allowed them, first of all, to test technology pieces and prepare themselves in terms of the workplace from the remote locations in order to allow them to see whether they have all necessary components, connectivity, just even such simple things like desk to sit in order to, to work comfortably for prolonged uh, time in case we had to initiate the scenario concerning the pandemic situation and now currently once we are just moving into this quote-unquote new normal basically employees are able to use these pieces successfully in order to provide the services in order to work from their home locations in terms of the culture aspect, of course, we are just moving into different way of managing and contacting our users, our employees. That is, we are relying more on the remote working modes in terms of the meetings, in terms of the collaborations, in terms of contacting our employees. We need, in my opinion, more contacts on a daily basis as the opposite to the, the way we used to work in the office, basically this water cooler tanks discussions were really useful in order to keep this team, our teams together. Now we need to initiate, especially from the management perspective, uh, some way or just some forms of communication, but still there is a rather evolution, not revolution in terms of contacting our employees or just uh, in order to, to ensure that this collaboration takes place. One of the subject matters that came up in the survey that we ran was this sort of move towards hybrid maturity, uh, which is a, a slightly newer word or newer phrase that I've heard recently, you know, it was the future of work and hybrid work. But, but what does hybrid maturity mean for you and, and how would you define that? Is that something that you're working towards as well, Kurt? Have you got the right tools and, and things to enable you to work in a hybrid way? And I think if you, if you looked a year ago, many organisations or a year and a half ago wouldn't have had the right tech. Because as some people then start to migrate back to the office, maybe for one day a week, two days a week, 
you've still got those people working from home you want to pull into meetings. So in its rawest sense, you, you want to get people talking and working together. You've got to have the right tech to do it. The second is you've got to have the right attitude and maturity in your organisation to trust these people, to enable it to work. But also you need the, the will of your staff to be sensible about some of these things. You know, if we need to go in the office to have a chat or go and do a workshop, as Chris has said, I've got no problem doing that. You know, I've been in the office twice in the last two years and they were for good reasons, but I don't need to go, I won't. But being sensible about it, you've got that. But the longer term vision for me is, you know, you we've got to be mature in terms of you can work from anywhere, it doesn't matter. The technology just works and everybody's on board with that approach that's what we're all doing whether you work for norfolk county council whether you work for citrix or whether you work for someone else you know certainly at least with you know the experience you know part of this you know do you have some kind of organizational value and norms and you're actively promoting your culture around as some kind of shared vision and then you kind of get to the next tier do you have you know different you know best practices that managers can share and adapt uh, kpis that might measure employee experience and you know even important for just about every organization is you know are we quantifying this you know quantifying experience in financial terms so if we're going to be making investments in employee experience and hybrid work what is my business actually going to get out of that? And, you know, of course, working cross-functionally, you know, whether it be, you know, across business units and technology teams and HR, real estate teams, so that we're collectively making decisions, utilizing KPIs. But interestingly, when had run a large survey, 800 leaders, probably one of the things that leapt out the most. And, you know, these were, you know, when we asked the question, you know, are you delivering a great experience for your employees? And they were self-identified. We did a regression analysis to test it. But those that were doing it best and they were delivering the best employee experiences in their organizations were employing a set of human-centric, empathy-driven activities. You know, so are they measuring and analyzing experience in their organizations, taking over the devices, the applications, and using that insight to improve that experience? Are they thinking in terms of employee personas and segments, you know, so that they can develop and maybe scientifically develop empathy and be able to scale that? You know, are they doing things like employing, the, you know, I held up sticky notes, but are they doing things like employing design thinking? Again, you know, developing greater empathy for the workforce? Are they thinking in terms of journey maps and, okay, what are the day-to-day -day tasks of some of the individuals of my employees? Can I make them better? You know, using some of the things that we've learned in customer experience and as we think about customers and flipping them, turning them inwards for employees, hey, are we thinking about their daily journeys or their career journeys and gathering insights and, you know, making improvements based? And what do you think the biggest blocker is to achieving hybrid maturity, Chris? You know, it's funny. As part of the workshops that I run with customers, you know, we do something called a vision workshop, which is intended to help develop a goal state, identify blockers, and then brainstorm solutions. And these are very fun sessions. You know, we use a tool, Miro. You know, of course, when we're able to get together in person, you can do it with the, you know, sticky notes. And I think there's a variety of, and by the way, you know, you push the leaders to put themselves, walk a mile in their employees' shoes. What do you want them to think, feel, do, and then say, okay, you know, if we have this vision of what great looks like for those employees, what's getting in our way? So to an individual cost, of course, always comes up. Where am I going to make my investments? Where am I going to get the biggest bang for the buck? Great. Thanks. Let's hand the question to Mikkel right now. 
we are at 80 percent eight nine that is uh, we could sustain all critical processes at least from the technology perspective from the fully remote uh, perspective also what i see from different let's say developments across the company there are just works uh, which are aimed into virtualization of certain tasks which historically required human physical presence in our uh, logistic centers so we are more and more keen on to use virtual reality or just to use remote control devices concerning let's say forklifts for example so you don't need to have a human presence outside basically you can do everything fully remotely through the autom- robotization automatization process so i'm going to ask you a question now which i know you all have an opinion on so i'll see if we can uh, we can get to all of you but what are the largest obstacles or blockers that tech leaders are facing on the path or on the road to hybrid maturity? I think generally we've got the support of all of our senior staff members in terms of carrying on the way we're working and improving it. The real challenge are are practical. As long as the technology works and as long as we're considering the impact on our frontline customers and service users, you know, we've got adult social care, children's services. If we're changing things and we're doing things differently, we've still got to be mindful that sometimes we've got frontline staff that goes in people's hands and some services aren't in the best position to be adapting that type of technology or that approach. So we need to consider that. And of course, then we need to, there's the potential people blockers as well. You know, we're a large organisation. You may have your senior team on board, but there's the middle managers or the the next layer down you've got to make sure are on that journey with you. And I think as a county council, we are. You know, we've we've been very clear, communicated very clearly that things are not going to go back to the way they were before. And we are doing things differently. But you still get the odd pushback because people say, well, if it's not broke, why would you fix it? And things like that. And the odd question, you know, a year ago, we were getting odd, odd questions about when are we going back in the office? Well, the answer is now and again, but probably never. <laughs> if I can run a whole ICT team and an innovation team and they don't need to go in the office, many parts of the business can continue that way. In terms of the future, though, you know, we're going to have to keep pushing hard could keep changing things and keep reevaluating um, how we work and how we operate. And that does include some of the stuff Chris has said about, you know, you've got to keep talking to people. You've got to understand them. You've got to survey them. You've got to take on board what they're saying, because actually a part of the key is, is your own staff helping you on that journey. So if you don't do those things, that could be a significant blocker. So in terms of the obstacles, right, they're existing the security IT infrastructure security tools and policies, they are around safeguarding the enterprise assets, you know, behind the four walls of the data center or behind the four walls of their corporate or, you know, the remote branch offices, right? Where, you know, people are working in secure locations. But now with the hybrid working, you know, the people are working from home, you know, the IT threat surface has gone up significantly. So now companies have to redefine their security policies, security tools, IT infrastructure, and, and, and the security tooling to protect the enterprise IT assets in a vast area. 
right? Right from corporate offices, branch offices to the employees' uh, homes where, you know, the employees are working. The second uh, biggest challenge is the IT support model. Again, you know, the IT support model is designed to support the employees working from either corporate offices or branch offices or other partner locations. Uh, now, the employees are you know, working all over, probably even in hybrid working, you know, two to three days in a week, people are coming to work. Even then, you know, 20 to 30 percent of the people are coming to work, which means at any point in time, 60 to 70 percent of your employees are working outside the corporate or branch offices and, you know, providing the IT support for them when they're working in such a, you know, whose distributed locations is, is at another challenge. Third, you know, uh, element, right? When we are implementing the hybrid working, you know, the traditional workspaces are designed to have probably one seat per employee, you know, or one cubicle or one cabin per employee. So now when employees are coming back to work in a hybrid working model, you know, we need to create an environment where they spend more time, you know, in talking to each other and in, in creating, you know, more collaborative spaces, you know, instead of having like more number of desks, probably we should have more whiteboards, more conference rooms so that, you know, that they can spend time together, you know, uh, and collaborate with each other. So I think these are the three elements where organizations need to change their IT infrastructure, workplace services, and the IT support models, you know, to meet the new way of working. So in terms of the security angle, I think we have challenges. That is obviously the revolution in terms of the infrastructure part, which happened in the background, which allowed us to move into this remote working mode so smoothly. That is basically the revolution in order to move the infrastructure into the cloud happened. And basically, IT and organization embrace the cloud, let's say, fully. The challenge uh, from my perspective as the security professional is that basically this area still has the risks which needs to be addressed. That is basically the risk requirement to build the new skill sets, not only for the people responsible for the technology management administration, but also for regular users. They need to remember that the access and the keys to our kingdom in terms of the data, in terms of the access to our infrastructure, basically is now at their hands. And basically the way we are now managing uh, our enterprise from the security perspective is the user identity perspective, which basically means in case user is not careful enough, we could quite easily lose our ability to protect ourselves. So that's the first aspect. Second aspect is uh, we, I think, made a, some kind of a trade-off between the risks concerning physical security of our facilities to the risk concerning protection of general, inter, uh, let's say, information and uh, general enterprise in terms of this virtual cloud world. And this means that there should be a shift also in terms of the focus and the priorities within the IT team concerning how to protect it. And also, this is a big challenge for the security teams in order to build the competences in this area quite quickly, as uh, basically we are facing completely different kinds of threats and different kind of uh, challenges in order to address them, let's say, adequately. Wonderful. Thank you, everyone. Uh, really insightful there. Let's move on to the, the next one. So I'm keen to understand it's a hot topic at the moment. And I just want to know, 
In your opinion, what role does a hybrid strategy play in attracting and retaining the right talent? So, you know, I think the experience does play you know, a huge role. You know, I mentioned earlier that one of our biggest human motivators is actually getting things done. And, you know, you can kind of follow a chain of logic here, you know, so, you know, businesses have seen that engaged employees deliver some incredible outcomes. So they deliver, you know, you look at a lot of, you know, wherever the research is coming from, it always points to engaged employees deliver better customer, better customer experiences. They're less likely to leave. Also important to a business is that engaged employees dip into something called discretionary effort. So wonderful study years ago by IBM and Global Force at the time, or WorkHuman, I think is their name now. And they identified that engaged employees were about 95% of engaged employees, 95, 97, nearly all of them were likely to expend something called discretionary effort, meaning they're going to do work that falls outside of their job description. They care about the success of the organization. That number drops, by the way, to the floor for disengaged employees. You know, and what is an engaged employee? You know, engagement is the outcome of a continued positive employee experience. And so, you know, feeding into that experience, everything that goes into that, and a big component of that is helping people make progress in their work, get things done every day. In IT, we have a pretty big role in either helping somebody get work done every day or hindering them from getting work done every day. You know, the, you know, you can put somebody on two paths, you know, choose the path. You know, do you want them to put on a path to engagement or a path to burnout? You know, what's being asked of them, they don't necessarily have the resources to get those things done. Is that something you agree with, Kurt? And uh, what are you guys doing over there to attract and, and retain the right talent? I love this question, particularly <laughs> because your listeners and, and, and you people out there may have heard the term the great resignation. And since the pandemic, people can work anywhere, you know, in the UK, they don't have to work in London to get a higher salary and all of that. So many organisations, including public sector, are experiencing people reevaluating where they work, what they get out of it and who they should work for. And we're finding that in some areas that it's a challenge to retain staff and then to then recruit if they do leave. But we have, but hey, we have a role, you know, make the environment a good place to work make it flexible and uh, help people develop. And now if they then develop and move on, you've still done a good job, I think, but it does make it difficult with a high turnover. And one of the things for me is actually reevaluating what our offer is to, the, to our employees and how we present it is, is quite key because if you use the wrong terminology or present it in the right wrong way, you may be encouraging someone to leave rather than stay. So the flexibility of not having to drive to work and commute, the ability to do hours that maybe more suit you or your family lifestyle, the opportunity to spend more time with your family. You know, I've experienced it over the last two years where my daughter has been home from uni and working from home. So I've got to see her when I wouldn't have. So, you know, there's many facets to it, but we mustn't forget that actually people who work for us have more options now and it's easier for them. So we've got to put more effort in to try and retain them. Deshu, what about you? I think that the hybrid working is a, you know, a win-win strategy, both for employees and employees, provided you know, we implement it right and then you know, enable it with the right uh, set of technologies and processes. Any final useful tips for C-suite leaders around the world who are, are looking at um, you know, getting to a level of hybrid maturity? 
The main thing I would say is this needs to be led from the top. If you've got an organisation and your leaders of, of that organisation aren't trying to work in a hybrid way, aren't leading by example, then you can't expect the rest of your organisation to be doing it. They won't take it seriously and your staff won't. So they need to be doing it. They need to be practical about it, of course, but they also need to be the ones asking some of the real probing questions. And the problem is you don't want those people shying away from asking some of the challenging questions like, why is your whole team in the office? Why aren't they using the technology? You need them to be demonstrating and using it and expect people to engage with them in that way. So I can't emphasise that enough. Get your leaders to be doing that. Get as many of your managers doing that and then everybody else will follow because that becomes the culture of the organisation. And that's the only way you've got to change the culture. You've got to be doing it yourself. So one, the collaboration. Right? So we need to invest in tools and the technologies and the processes that enable seamless collaboration between the employees of the company as well as you know our customers and partners of the company. The collaboration is, is one key pillar. That's one area that we should focus in terms of the tooling processes. The second aspect is the security. That's another key pillar. So we need to keep the required processes, tools in place to ensure the security of our applications and the data. It's not only the data of our company, but also the data of our customers that we deal with. Then the third aspect is the user experience. So when uh, our employees or our partners interacting with our employees right, or the employees of the company, we need to ensure that we are giving them the same experience. You know, whether the employees are working from our, our corporate offices, they should get the same experience. I think these are the three fundamental pillars that you know, C-suite executives should focus on while deciding on the technologies and processes for hybrid working. So as we look to close off this panel debate and discussion, I wanted to find out just from a couple of you, really, what are the new technologies that you are currently exploring or looking to implement that's going to support the move to hybrid maturity? Certainly. So now, you know, we have transformed our, you know, workplace services offering, you know, based on the challenges, what we have seen, you know, during the pandemic and also the learnings that we had in the last three years connection to what we have been learning all along, right? So the key elements, right, one, you know, from a support perspective. So earlier, you know, you, know, you can have service desks and you can have field support teams, you know, going around supporting the teams on the floor. But now, you know, with the current hybrid working, you know, they are obsolete. So what we're trying to do, we are uh, implementing the necessary tools and technologies which are powered by AI and ML, you know, where uh, we're trying to, the, you know, eliminate the incidents at the first place so that you know, there is no need for the teams to reach out to service desk or the support teams you know the prevention is is, is a key area where we are investing in a lot of uh, you know our efforts and tools you know to build uh, you know the tools and platforms that can proactively monitor the infrastructure and points identify the potential problems and solve them before the user notices them but that's that's one big change that we brought in in our offering so we're making our workplace services offering like more proactive and then you know the prevent the incidents right the second aspect is we are trying to move away from you know a touch-based support model to you know, a non-touch-based support model, you know, and, uh, and stuff like people calling the service desk, you know, asking for a, uh, you know, desk-side support or trying to get the issues solved. You know, we are 
kind of implementing the bots and you know non voice support models the way people can you know just you know come in and you know chat to the bots and then they will proactively check what what is happening on the endpoint you know or in the you know user environment and then suggest or fix the issues or suggest the remediations you know and helping the users to get those issues addressed of course if, if it cannot be solved like within you know a stipulated time then obviously the bot hands out the calls to the actually human agent you know where we can you know dispatch you know uh, the necessary support level right so moving the support model to a non-wise channels on the bots is another big thing that we're doing and also the you know we are also trying to move the workloads you know, as much as possible to the cloud like it could be you know end user uh, desktops or co collaboration tools right so we are moving them to cloud you know instead of having a white phone etc and stuff having laptops we are virtualizing the laptops desktops and then we're also virtual you know delivering the virtual you know soft phones etc right so so that right you know the complete infrastructure is running in the cloud you know end user you know infrastructure is running in the cloud so that we can monitor that infrastructure 24 bar 7 and then you know ensure that you know if there are any issues challenges in terms of the performance availability right you know our tools and infrastructure can you know find out those issues and so that we can fix them so that users don't have to suffer the performance issues or don't have to call the support desk and you know wait for the support teams to come in and solve their problems so we have our digital workspace offering through which we deliver you know physical workplaces virtual workplaces and mobile workplaces the virtual desk is something that just focuses on the virtual workspace offering through which we deliver virtual applications and virtual desktops and also we deliver you know byod or a thin client based services uh, and then communication collaboration services so essentially a complete work a virtual workplace can be delivered through our virtual desk offering by switching from the physical presence in the office into the remote working modes we made a trade-off between the risks and in terms of the risks now i believe uh, more focus should be put into the connectivity and the cloud services which are provided by the market giants however these uh, let's say services allowed us to provide remote working modes at the same moment any type of disruption in the services could also prove that this remote working mode is not effective and there will be more or less in the future some kind of of flip or just the stoppage in order to make this let's say remote working mode more popular among the companies so we've introduced robotic process automation in a number of areas some 14 areas so far and it's been a great success you know it takes some of the low-hanging fruit and we deal with it quickly so our staff can concentrate more on some of the more complex things they need to do um i think there's several areas of innovation that we could consider here there's the bit about data and artificial intelligence, you know, and automating stuff on the back of what the data is telling us. But at the real front end of that, to collect that data, you need things like IoT. So I'll give you a real example that we're experimenting with at the moment, which is that we're putting sensors in people's homes to help them live independently longer. Now, you may say, well, how does that affect hybrid working? Well, the reality is, We're getting a, a larger demands on our resources to help, so more people to help. We're getting shrinking budgets, and we need to make sure we deploy 
our staff in the right places. Now, our staff, our, our skilled staff, social workers or, or whoever, they, they need good information so they can make better decisions about where they work, who they go and see, who they visit, who they help, who they call. So that technology can make a major difference to that. But the different, the real difference is that makes a difference to real people's lives. You know, people, are they going to end up in care or not? And I think it's all about giving our, our staff the tools so they can choose which is the best hybrid way to work. The other things around the technology uh, in terms of innovation and hybrid working, I just want to go way out there. There's things like VR, um, virtual reality out there where people have been experimenting with somebody on the uh, in front of a screen and somebody else working hybridly using a VR headset, looking at cabinets or whatever they do for their day job. I think there's probably developed some real, real practical use examples of those. They're coming, but they're not here yet. So I think we need to look at all of these things. But the big one for me is, once again, I'll go back to consumer tech. You know, we've got these really powerful computers in our hands that are mobile phones, and they can help with our hybrid working in terms of booking meetings, in terms of telling people where they need to go, where's the priority, capturing notes, all of those things. I'm not sure we use enough of them yet, and we should be more and more. Great. Thank you so much, Kurt. Uh, wonderful way to end the session. I really appreciate all of you spending time with me today and sharing this information. And there you have it, folks. That brings us to the end of the Hybrid Maturity panel. And I just want to, again, thank our panelists. I hope you've learned a lot. I certainly have. And to the guests at home, please can you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to check out the rest of the series that we're currently running with Citrix, looking with our CIO and CISO hats on at the future of remote work and security and how organizations can achieve hybrid maturity. Thank you.